Fun, frivolity, and always something that includes that fucked up Florida. It's an F-fest around these parts, so we welcome you to the KBC Happy Hour, a freaking fantastic festival of current events, conversation, cocktails, and, well, you can figure it out from here if you split that last word in two. We'll give you a little time to think about that. There you go. Here are your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack. Hello, hello, and welcome to the GBC Happy Hour. I hope Hi. you're having a lovely time wherever you're at and whenever it is. Uh, we are here live at the moment, and I am here live with Johnny Mack. Hello. Oh, hello there. How are you? I'm good, actually. How's your I'm, week been? Uh, the week's been good. It's been busy. Uh, been, you know, busy, busy, and uh, was rushing to get things done. I'm headed to Chicago this weekend for a little jaunt. That's so, right. Um, how yeah, exciting. This is my your first, first trip, right? My first time to the Windy City, yes. Oh, how exciting. Um, but so I had a lot of work to do before that. Um, and of course, getting ready for this week's show, um, a lot of research and a lot of uh, deep diving. And we have a lot of interesting stuff this week, I think. We sure do. I mean, my hometown made it into the headlines, and that's not often on a gay-related show. But uh, something horrible happened up there. Uh, you want to give us the the uh, headlines, and then we'll get into talking about it? Yeah. So this is in uh, the generally great state of Washington, yep. in Seattle, in actually. the very progressive city of Seattle. Yeah. Um, in Seattle, last weekend, two gay bars were raided by essentially the Vice Squad, looking for, quote, lewd conduct by patrons and staff. Um, and you know, they came blowing into these bars, you know, late at night with flashlights, you know, making a whole ruckus. And what did they discover? An exposed nipple and mm. a couple jock straps. Oh my god, no. Can you believe it? I can't. I can't believe so that is, they didn't find more than one. I know, right? Just one. It's just a single exposed nipple, right? I mean, hey, um, I have been in both of these bars and at times both I mean, count them, two. One, two of my nipples have been exposed in them. <laughs> and I so the, I dare say that at least once or maybe a hundred times in at least one, if not both, of these particular bars that were raided, I have been in a jockstrap. See, I mean, this is the thing. is because the bars are the cuff and the eagle, right? Right. So... These are, I mean, this whole story just like, it just, I can't believe it's 2024 because it's the Seattle's, quote, joint enforcement team, which is a coalition of the police and fire departments and the state liquor and cannabis board. So they, they have this task force, this like SWAT team, this like vice squad that I guess has nothing better to do than to go into kind of like edgy, dodgy gay bars and like see what's up i mean this this seems this just seems like something out of the distant past i can't believe this is happening in 2024 i can't believe it's happening in seattle period and i thought that the seattle police department and seattle fire department had learned their lessons in the past and this this group of law enforcement officers that you refer to uh that is they call it the jet 
Seattle's Joint mm-hmm. Enforcement Team, which is this coalition between the Seattle Police Department, Seattle Fire Department, and the state's Liquor and Cannabis Board. And, okay, fine. If the Liquor Board goes in and they find that there's violations, like you're serving minors, or people are coming out of there and they are so ripped to the tits that they cannot walk, and a bartender in Washington is responsible for that if they end up being, you know, getting into a vehicle and driving and causing an accident or some such thing. And uh, I hope that Richie's still with us because he's frozen up on my end. I, I don't see him right at the moment, but hopefully he'll be back momentarily. Can you hear me? I do hear you, yes. Okay, good. Okay, All right. good. You're just stuck in with your eyes closed on the on the video screen. But as I was saying, <laughs> uh, as I was saying, um, there has been a long past history, and in the 1990s, we had a period where the uh, the police department targeted unfairly uh, LGBT bars, and in and not just the bars, but also they were doing these raids uh, in a l- local park there, in Volunteer Park, which is in the heart of the, the gay district of Seattle where guys would meet and hook up at night. And, uh, and it just was not a, uh, it was not a very uh, great scene because heads were getting knocked and people were being targeted specifically because they were gay not because they were engaged in illegal activity. And in, I can't remember, it was in the early 90s, the Eagle itself had a fire that happened upstairs and uh, in the area where their pool table was. And when the fire department came in to put the fire out, they actually caused the bar to be closed for several years after that because they did so much damage inside the place putting the fire out, which was not that big. Hmm. So it was, you know, it was definitely a homophobic thing that they did by basically destroying the bar with the damage from the, you know, from the, you know, trying to extinguish the flames. And that is, in fact, how the cuff the other bar that was affected in this came to existence was because my friends, Scott and Tim, who were the original owners of it many, many years ago, uh, decided to open a new establishment because the uh, leather Levi community really didn't have a place to call home base as they did when the when the Eagle was running. Eventually, a few years later, Eagle was cleaned up, fixed, and was able to reopen and the original owners sold it. I think it's sold a couple of times since then. So is the cuff, but both of those places, the cuff is really kind of a, uh, all encompassing bar. Now it started out as a leather bar, but it became really one of the, you know, big, all, all folks fit under this one roof, uh, kind of places because it was so huge. It became kind of a complex actually. And so, uh, these specific ones are uh, not that far from the actual East Precinct and the Seattle Police Department. Uh, would have been easy for them to, you know, just slip in last moment before the getting off their shift and uh, cause some, you know, some damage. 
And that's what they've done from a legal standpoint by walking into them this past weekend and by citing things that basically were not even related to the Liquor and Cannabis Board. In other words, if they had gone in there and written tickets because there was, you know, again, underage serving, you know, going on or something like that, that would have been one thing. Um, But it's not illegal to smoke pot in Seattle. And it is uh, also not (laughs) unlawful to drink. They had no business being in there to begin with. And to specifically uh, do this to that community when in the past, in the 90s, they started uh, having a, a citizens commission that came together because of the problems with the police department up in the East Precinct, the Capitol Hill area, which is the uh, heart of Seattle's gay district. Um, and they uh, ended up you know, having to answer to a citizens commission. Uh, the people decided you know, they were going to take the power back. And I think that everything was fine until all of the hell it broke loose after the um, George Floyd murder by the cops in uh, Minneapolis. And that seemed to be a turning point with the, the public and the police relationship in Seattle, as it did in many cities, many major metropolitan areas around the country. Uh, and Seattle's gate, Capitol Hill district became kind of ground zero for a bunch of the protesting. And, you know, if you remember watching TV back in those days, you know, you'd see explosives flying through the air and shops being busted into and all sorts of mayhem. And that happened to the extent that where the Seattle Police Department's East Precinct is located, uh, a lot of these knuckleheads who decided to be violent in their response to all that uh, started smashing in windows and stuff like that, and the police actually retreated from their own precinct and left, and they left for quite some time and did not come back until things had settled down several months later. And the Seattle Police Department has had a pretty rough go of it with the citizenry uh, ever since then, but um, this is obviously a, you know a payback time. Right. And the thing is, it really just strikes me um, because, you know, technically nudity is barred in venues where alcohol is served. This kind of all of these sort of pretextual rules that that are sort of come that seem like they're kind of out of the past, sort of like blue laws, you know, you know, in many places you couldn't serve alcohol or buy alcohol on Sundays. And these kind of sort of vice related kind of oldie timey laws, um, they exist in a lot of ways to just give police cover to just to just to, to screw around with people yeah to you know i remember you know in la going to bars and they had you know jukeboxes and stuff and you put music on and if you started to kind of you know wiggle around they would tell you you have to stop dancing we don't have a cabaret license you know um and just these kind of rules around bars and you know that basically give the the police carte blanche to come in and just shut them down you know because they're just they don't like the vibe really also allows for selective enforcement for homophobic reasons you know here i can guarantee you uh there are straight bars um in seattle or anywhere you know and there are extremely scantily clad people um you know bearing their asses wearing you know mash or whatever and I, I, I'm sure that this, this, you know, vice squad is not going into the straight bars. 
um, on a random afternoon, you know, a random evening. Um, they're yeah. they're targeting gay spaces specifically. Well, and and one of the uh, people who was cited apparently was an employee, I believe, at the Cuff, who was a bartender and who is the one who was accused of having the exposed nipple, and. Maybe that's not allowed for a bartender specifically because they're working in the environment. But I can tell you, I have been in bars in the you know, dead of summer in Seattle when it's not raining and it's been 90 or 100 degrees outside and people are in there having a good time with their shirts off. They're down on the dance floors with their shirts off and it's not a problem. It's like, give me a freaking break. It's it, yeah. I mean, it, it doesn't. And there's no, there's no fig leaf here. It's not like you know. It's not like there's food sir. It's not food service. You know. It's not like the the existence of an exposed nipple from a bartender is going to somehow like cause any kind of problem for the the purveying of alcohol. Yeah. It's 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 just it's baloney. And the thing is. You, you know that's the case because there are general rules with regards to food service. You know, you have to you know wear a shirt and you have to have a hairnet and all this stuff. With bars, depending on where you're at, the bartenders can wear nothing but a jock strap in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, and it's not like, you know, that's causing the drinks to, you know, be riddled with STDs. I it's just to, silly. I have to tell you, Richie, uh, in all the times that I've been in gay clubs and whatnot uh, and places where I have seen bartenders who are shirtless i have yet to see a gay male bartender shirtless and lactating into a drink <laughs> yeah exactly it's just not happening yeah. um what a bunch and of garbage it, it's just it's it's just um you know it's just i think why this news kind of like really was a shocker especially was because of where because this wouldn't be surprising if it came out of alabama or tennessee or you know whatever yeah. arkansas in washington nudity is barred in venues where alcohol is served but here's the thing how are you defining nudity um i would define it as uh exposure of your genitalia or your asshole and other than that Get over it. I know Dan Savage, who lives in Seattle uh, and is the editor of one of the alternative newspapers there. Um, I know that, and you know, obviously somebody who's well known across the United States as a uh, agent provocateur uh, is not stepping back from this, and uh, you know, and and he is gonna. I know he's gonna end up whipping up a bunch of sentiment that it will go to the mayor's office and this will get dealt with in that town because people will lose their jobs on the city council and at the police or fire department uh, at the very least if something's not done about this and done quickly yeah and you know uh i'd be interested to hear if anyone um who's listening to the show is in seattle or has dealt with something like this in the past wherever they are so this is a call-in show and um, we do have a call-in number. It is 760-677-0111. 
And we would love to hear uh, if you have any thoughts on this topic, if you've been to the Cuff or the Eagle, if you've been at a bar that's been raided for Vice. Um, you know, just it, it's an interesting, you know, kind of moment in 2024 to have this. It feels like Footloose or something, you know, just like something from the ancient past. So yeah. give us a call. That's really, I mean, it's so weird, Richie, to be in the year 2024. I mean, we're almost a quarter of a century into this into this century, and it's outrageous to me that we have gone back to sixty years ago. You know, I mean, it's it's just incredible to me that this is where we are in our fight for equality and for existing and and living and let live. Well, and it goes to another thing, which is like, I mean, policing and 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 the idea of selective policing and actually very weird policing, where it's like if you're in a you know in a municipality, and there's like a lot of stuff going on that that's actually like sort of pretty serious in terms of crime. It's weird that then where what they choose to d- devote their resources to is jock straps and nip- nipples. It's like, what's that about? Why? Why not? Like, like, and they wonder what the, the cops wonder why they have such a bad re- uh, reputation in the community and why pe- why people look at them and have so little respect for them as you know as a whole. Yeah, you know, I don't want them looking at my hole. Not in a bar. Not anywhere. Just get the hell away from me. <laughs> Stay with us. We're going to uh, dig into some more holes, uh, especially in the the state with the biggest hole in the world. Um, stay with us. This is the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy. I'm Johnny Mac. Again, that phone number, Here's Richie and Johnny. Hello, and welcome back to the happy hour. Um, and we are moving to one of our favorite states in the nation, or least favorite states, uh, depending on how you think about it, right. um, which is Florida. And I believe that, um, I think we have uh, some, uh, uh, a PSA or yeah, something? we do have a PSA. Hold on just a second. Uh, here we go. At the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles, we're concerned that every person behind the wheel is exactly who and what we believe them to be. You should feel safe every time you pull out of the driveway. The threat to America has never been greater than now since the founders wrote the Constitution. You shouldn't have to drive under a black cloud of confusion. We may be the sunshine state, but we lead the nation in generating laws from a special place where the sun don't shine. 
Introducing the all-new Gender Marker Flip-Flop Ban. From now on, Florida driver's licenses will only be replaced when a license is lost or stolen, there's a legal name change, not from Charlie to Charlotte, or when there's a change of address or restrictions placed on a licensee. That's right, the sun has set on gender flipping a driver's license. Public safety is our first priority in the Sunshine State. Yep, so Florida is always trying to find ways to fuck with queer people, especially trans folks. And they are, that is the, the latest thing, is Florida is no longer allowing transgender people to change the sex on their driver's license to reflect their gender identity. And um, they've rescinded a provision that did allow that. Um, and it's a total mess. It's a total mess because Florida does allow for you to change your birth certificate with certain kind of documentation. And so folks who are trans are in a weird spot where if you already have a driver's license that reflects your gender identity, you can't get a replacement. Um, and even if you've changed your sex on your birth certificate, you can't get a driver's license that reflects your gender identity. It's it, it's untenable and it's crazy and it's yet again, you know, I, I heard it, you know, a lot of folks are saying that they're not looking forward to living in Florida for the next few years because DeSantis is pissed off. He's going, you know, there with his tail between his legs and he's just going to immiserate everyone on the way out because, you know, he's pissed and he's going to just double down on all of the all the culture war stuff that he, you know, that he makes his, you know, calling card. Again, it makes me want to puke. It's just nonsense. And it is trying to drive a nail into America that it doesn't need, doesn't want, isn't worried about. It's not going to hurt anybody. When you're driving down the road, do you think about who's in the car next to you or what their gender is? You know, what they've got below the belt? Well, I know you do sometimes, uh, depending on how cute they look. But um, aside from that, it's really, uh, it's just the beginning. You know, that's the thing. You, Richie, you just said that, you know, there's this, but then there's that. Well, no, I think that this is just the beginning. They're just going to continue to erode these things and make it illegal to, you know, even have your birth certificate changed and things of like course. that. You know, it's... It's a slippery slope, and you know that's that's the funny thing is is that so often I hear the right wing talking making talking points out of the fact that things are a slippery slope because of the things that progressives do. It's a slippery slope. We're going to end up, you know, having no, uh, you know, no laws that are being followed. And, all. and I don't know why they they think that they are the keepers of uh, law abiding. Uh, you know, behavior because they're not. They actually have proven that they don't care about laws or the Constitution and so on. But the the point is, is that they're going to continue to make these things worse. And a lot of people do not. They, they see the big headlines, the national headlines, and they don't hear about these things. And they don't think, oh, that's never going to happen to me here where I live. Well, right. Is it? One is just it's it's the it's this 
this kind of nexus of evangelical, what I know is the only truth and the only right, and the sort of move towards autocracy that we've seen in the MAGA movement, is that there's this idea that, um, you know, again, small government, you know, the sort of right-wing conservative Republican idea of small government is out the window. I mean, this is this is literally meddling in something as as private as your your own personal sense of self. And, you know, this person, this Kynock person who at the DMV said, permitting an individual to alter his or her license to reflect an internal sense of gender role or identity, which is neither immutable nor objectively verifiable, undermines the purpose of an identification record and can frustrate the state's ability to enforce its laws. I mean, Richie, let I me mean, ask to, you, let me ask you this. Have you ever heard of Robert Kynock before? No. Okay, and he's the deputy executive director of the Florida Department of Highway Safety and Motor Vehicles. Right. Who's this numbskull that none of us know who's making decisions that impact one of the largest states in the union? Well, well, what what this person is doing is carrying water for Ron DeSantis and his minions right. is what's happening. And what you have is you have a faceless bureaucrat who's immiserating people for no good reason. I mean, because at the end of the day, too, um, trans folks, um, you know, your your ID represents who you are now. Like, and it just doesn't make sense. This, this thing doesn't make sense except as just pure hatred. Pure hatred. 760-677-0111. If you'd like to get in while we're in the break and get queued up, we'd love to have you join us and come on and share with us what you think about this. And and are you worried? It, is this something that could come to your neck of the woods? We've got some other stuff coming up tonight that is going to really make you roll your eyes. So stay with us as we continue with more from Florida on the GBC Happy Hour. From GayBC.com, this is the Happy Hour with your hosts, Richie Roy and Johnny Mack, your source for conversation, current events, culture, and all things LGBTQ. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Happy Hour. Um, And uh, we are going to uh, continue to hang out for a moment in the great, not so great state of Florida, but we also have um, some other stuff happening in the Beehive State um, on the same tip, and actually, it's sort of a it's sort of something that is catching like wildfire in red states, uh, which is the um, which is the closure, defunding, and generally just kind of focus on uh, getting rid of diversity, equity, and inclusion, usually called DEI. Uh, programming and and offices at universities at in states oh boy i've never heard three letters since they came up with dea that scares so many people in this country as dei it's funny to me anytime my really conservative friends mention it and they have to spit it out like they're you know in a movie like uh poltergeist or maybe uh uh 
you know, where they're trying to rid people of devilish characters in their souls. Uh, it's crazy to me because if you think about three words that have no negative valences, I mean, it's right. along the lines of, of, you know, rainbows, sunshine, and lollipops. I mean, right. diversity, equity, and inclusion. How are these words? How can you be all? mad at them? Yeah. How can you be mad at them? But they hate them. Oh my a lot. God. They just get so vehemently pissed off. It's fun. Because, because it's, what it means is because DEI and actually, there's. I, I learned recently, you know, um, coming sort of coming into a higher education um, environment. There's actually an even more devilish word, which is some schools and some some um, institutions use DEIB, diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. How dare people of color, queer people, uh, people from low from socioeconomic you know, statuses that are not, you know, in the highest brackets, how dare they belong? How dare they be included? It's the, the snowflakiness on the right about DEI really just show, I mean, like, it's just like you, they are showing their true colors because to, to have something as innocuous as an, as an office or a department that is just trying to make some people who have for historic reasons, not felt welcome, feel welcome. And that is enough to trigger, you know, uh, basically defunding and closing of offices in, you know, and, and this is happening in Florida, in Utah, um, Utah just this week voted to, um, to defund DEI initiatives. This is happening in many red states, um, is that at public, at public institutions, public of higher education, that they are really focusing and hammering DEI and those those people who are those people who are afraid or who hate DEI um you know who they are I mean they're usually well-to-do white people who think that you know that the coloreds are coming for them you know well that I mean I mean like it's just so infuriating that people do not accept the fact that they have white privilege. Well, and it, it's even more, it's even, it's actually like, to me, it's, it's, it's even more insidious and really shows where their heads are at because it's one thing to talk about admissions. You know, there's you know, the, the argument, which I think is a spurious argument, but the argument is if there's affirmative action that there are some you know, people who are not privileged over others who are privileged by the existence of affirmative action. I don't think that that is true, and I, I think that that's baloney. But let's just posit that that's true. These are people who already got into a, an uh, an institution already, and the school is just trying to make them feel more at home, and that is too much. What they are basically saying is, we do not want people of color. We do not want people who are queer, people who are, you know, um, coming from marginalized statuses. We don't want them comfy. We want them to feel uncomfortable, actually. That's what the message is being sent. Yep. And I mean, how can you say that with a straight face? That they, they twist themselves in knots. They try to tie up DEI with things like critical race theory, which again, is this vanishingly small aspect of very actually interesting scholarship that happens mainly in law schools. And they kind of have have made any attempt to talk about 
thing, they, they basically say, oh, it's critical race theory, it's DEI, it's all you know a brainwashing strategy. Well, you don't have to engage. You don't have to engage with the Office of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion unless you want to. Like, go to a go to a panel or don't go to a panel. Who cares? But like for people who traditionally, for many reasons, for many years, were not welcome on campuses to have an office where they actually can see programming that reflects their reality. That's huge. And I just, it just, it just gives the, it just completely shows their hand that what they are up to is just absolute bigotry and small mindedness and, and just sort of wanting people who aren't, who like them, they want them to feel marginal. That's the goal. You know, Let's not take away the money factor because the money factor always makes a difference in America anyway. Um, one of these institutions that has uh, done away with their diversity office uh, is the University of North Florida. And those students, whether they're paying it out of their pocket or it's coming from a financial institution that is going to hold them on, on the hook for years to come uh, in debt, or it's coming from somebody else who's paying the way through a scholarship or, you know, or a grant. Um, Somebody is still paying those institutions for these students to be able to go there. And Mm -hmm. so that makes the student the customer. And while the customer is not always right, most of the time they are. And when they're spending the money to get an education and to be in an environment that is, at the very least, welcoming, and you take something like this away, man, I think you should have your ass kicked. I mean, metaphorically. It goes, it really just, what it is is that, that higher education has been in the crosshairs of the right for a while. Because you know what happens when people learn things and get curious about themselves and the world? They start to question things. And they actually start to think broadly and more compassionately and more in in more supple and interesting ways about the world. That doesn't really fit into the into the the demographics of who they want as their voters. And so that's a you know that's a problem um, that they are grappling with, and so how to do that? Well, makes you know what apart from the DEI initiatives, um, you know a lot of state school, a lot of states, um, you know Florida and, and the like, are also essentially trying to de sort of change the missions of schools to be essentially vocational schools to take them out of the liberal arts tradition, to take them out of the business of training thinkers and feelers and to really just be like, oh, this school is really to train people up to, you know, go into the trades, which there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, trade schools are invaluable. It's they're they're really important. But the reasoning there is not because they love trade schools, but it's because they are afraid of what happens when when people get educated. It's and and you know, we've talked about this in the show before. It trickles down Johnny? No, there? you're right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, 
but it's just it's just kind of the the higher higher ed is in the crosshairs. I mean, as is lower ed. And, and if you look at admissions, um, you know, recently, like last year, <clears throat> the Supreme Court essentially gutted affirmative action and left a window open for military schools specifically, um, saying that there may be a reason for military schools to to ha- you know continue to have such programs well what lawsuits are currently working their way through the courts lawsuits against military schools for their affirmative action programs so they're trying to tee this up for the supreme court to make the next decision to basically sort of continue to to chip away at any sort of affirmative action any sort of um, attempt to work on things on that end. But then again, I, once people do get into these schools, regardless of how they get in, um, then they want to make sure that they don't feel that, that those, that folks who are people of color or queer or whatever, don't feel welcome still. So they're really, they're really just, um, they're, they're, they're trying to cause misery again. And, and this goes back to the previous thing about the, the driver's licenses. Is this, idea of weaponizing government and weaponizing power not not to do anything other than to make people miserable with no actual gain there's no gain here no one wins it's just you get to own the libs and you get them to lose and that's it's really sad it's really sad that that's kind of where that you know where there, there's a big tranche of the Republican Conservative Party that really is all about owning the libs and making people feel like they're losing, and that that that's that's a win for them. Yeah. And any win for those kind of people is a true loss for those of us who believe in you know fairness and equality. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially it's especially worth thinking about, you know, because February is Black History Month and keep your eye on that because, you know, every, you know, Black History Month, there's always people saying, you know, on the on the right side of the spectrum saying the dumbest things, you know, about, uh, you know, well, even we had, you know, uh, we talked about on the show before on Martin Luther King's uh, Jr.'s birthday uh, or, you know, celebration day. Um you know, people, you know, like, who is it? Was it Marjorie Taylor Greene or was it Lauren Boebert? I forget who it was, was using that as an, as an attempt to, to, to use that day to go against woke, you know, wokeness. Yeah. And so we're going to see in this month, in February, we're going to see, I'm sure, a bunch of really stupid stuff coming out of the right God, with regards you know to race relations. Yeah. Um. Hey. Well, we've got uh, just a couple of minutes left in this segment. Um, there's another story that broke today, actually. Um, and I wanted to talk about that for a second as well. Um, and this is actually good news that Richie and I saw earlier tonight as we were going on the air. Um, the Oregon Supreme Court has ruled that 10 Republican state senators who staged an extended walkout in 2023 to block bills on issues such as abortion and transgender health care cannot run for re-election. The senators were disqualified under Measure 113, a voter-approved amendment that prohibits lawmakers from seeing re-election if they have over 10 unexcused absences. The walkout lasted for six weeks, the longest in state history, and it halted legislative progress on, uh, you know, uh, on numerous bills. 
And the ruling upholds the previous decision by the Secretary of State. The uh, court case uh, debated the interpretation of the language in the constitutional amendment. So um, that is a good thing. There's, you know, 10 knuckleheads who are not going to be able to run for their offices again who have created unbelievable amounts of misery for the citizens of the state of Oregon who believe in, you know, freedom. Right. And was that done through, um, was, do you know if the, um, it, was that done through an initiative or the, 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 the bill that, or, the, or was it a bill in, in terms of, um, uh, the getting it so that, uh, it's, they're ineligible for reelection. Do we know? Because, that's an interesting question if that was done through like a ballot initiative or something I or think, if that was a bill. Well, it was no, it was a um it was a referendum. A referendum. Yeah. So this, this and, measure and this isn't, uh it was added to the state constitution after measure 113 was approved by the voters. So this goes to another important point because um you know, a thing to keep your eye on is direct democracy, things like referendums, yep. initiatives, because I don't know if you remember, there was this move um, in, now I'm blanking on which state it was, um, that was, that the, 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 the folk, people were poised to ensconce abortion rights in basically by initiative. And there was an attempt to change the rules such that it had to be a supermajority. Right. Um, and that they lost that because direct democracy is a threat to autocrats and that's what happened here in oregon and so good riddance was that in wisconsin uh, i forget but yeah i think you're right stay with us we've got a lot more fun and games coming along <laughs> we're going to tell you about uh, some good things some bad things and we're going to have a, a heck of a good time by the time we get to mixing drinks in our next hour with richie roy at the bar so stay along Give us a call, 760-677-0111. Hey. Hello! The phone operator over here is lonelier than the Maytag repairman. So let your fingers do the walking and join Richie and Johnny to start doing some talking. We know you want to work your digits, so get in on the act. 760-677-0111. The KBC Happy Hour. Wake that guy up now. That's 760-677-0111. Here's Richie and Johnny. Hello, and welcome back to the happy hour. Indeed. And yeah, please, please oh. do call in. Richie, hang on just a second. Let's grab this phone call right here. Hang on. KBC happy hour. Hello, this is the AT&T operator with a collect call from a correctional facility. Caller, state your name. Jordan Starr. Will you accept the charges? Yes, yes, of course we will. Go ahead, pervert. Jordan. Johnny, you're not going to believe what has happened to me. I came to Oklahoma to collab with another creator, and we were sexting, and I sent a picture of my business, and um, you they arrested me. You they wouldn't what? believe it. Arrested me, yeah. 
so you're in jail now. Yes. I, uh, you're my one call. I need you to come bail me out, buddy. Oh, my God. Richie, we're going to have to... We might have to shut the show down early tonight so we can get to Jordan and, and be able to help him get the hell out of jail. What the hell is going on out there in Oklahoma? Who would have ever thought you could have gotten in trouble for sending like an adult picture to another consenting adult? This is outrageous. Richie, do you know anything about this? Yes, <laughs> I do. This is craziness. Um, this is, and the thing is, it couldn't come from someone with a more perfect name. So this is this is the brainchild. This bill is a brainchild of Christian nationalist Oklahoma State Senator. Get ready for his name, Dusty Devers. <laughs> introduced a bill to fine and imprison adults for consensually creating or sending sexual images or text messages. That is, it's just, it's 10 steps too far. I mean, Dusty Devers, he sounds like he just won a Gavian award. I mean, that, with that name, I mean, it's, (sighs) but yeah, so the bill, um, you know, and, and this is how they always do it now. The bill bans child pornography. And then what they do, because this is happening in several in several states, is there's a bill that ostensibly bans child pornography because, of course, who is for child pornography? No Nobody. one. But then they also throw in there um, prohibiting other things, such as unmarried, indivi- unmarried individuals, unmarried, think about that, from producing or sending any, quote, obscene sexual content found patently offensive or lacking any serious literary, artistic, educational, political, or scientific purposes or values. And um, it allows anyone to file a lawsuit against someone who produces or distributes this, you know, smut. So here's what my recommendation is, okay? mm Because actually I can already see a little uh, loophole in this. Here's what I would do. I want everybody tonight to go out... And to go to a tattoo parlor. Okay, maybe you can't do it tonight, but do it this weekend, okay? Go to a tattoo parlor and have them, well, get shaved first. And then have them tattoo on in your pubic region, fuck Trump. And, and then at least it will have some sort of um, political purpose or value. There you go, political purpose. So if, yeah, if, exactly. If, if you are seen in your genitalia finest, uh, then you know if you've got that going with you, you're you're going to be covered. Right, but the thing is, I mean, all all jokes aside, the thing is, this bill is crazy because um, producing and distrib quote producing and distributing these you know quote these materials. Um, if you bring a lawsuit, anyone can bring a lawsuit for this, and if you win. You get $10,000 for each image or depiction produced or distributed within, you know, the state of Oklahoma. And anyone convicted also faces a fine of up to $25,000 or up to 20 years in prison. And this includes, could include anything like a selfie, a butt selfie, but it also theoretically could involve things like drag shows or strip clubs. Are you telling me that Jordan might have to spend 20 years behind bars? For a butt selfie. Oh, my God. Yeah. And so, you know, the thing is, the bill the bill is not, obviously not constitutional. No. And 
you know, and Dusty Devers himself has admitted that the bill is probably not going to pass the state legislature. Um, he, although he added that the bill's future is quote up to the Lord to determine. So he's a nut and this is crazy stuff, but what it just shows again is where a lot of folks' heads are at. I mean, this is, this is, you know, I think, you know, we talked, you know, we've talked in other episodes before about we have, you know, 30%, almost 30% of Gen Z adults identify as LGBTQ. You know, we have sort of shifting, you know, cultural mores that are more towards sexual liberation, sexual independence. Um, you know, we have social media, we have, um, you know, people posting, sending selfies, you know, sending uh, sexts. Uh, it's just the world we live in. But there are certain folks who just can't abide by the fact that that is the real world and will try to do what they can to, you know, bring a bring about a sort of theocratic moral state. It's gross. And I. it makes me think that this this dusty devers is i mean like what is what's he what's he what is on his phone what's in his private folder yeah because as i've said i don't know 350 million times those who speak the loudest have the most to hide i have yeah. no i have no doubt that this guy is a latent porn lover Hundred percent. I mean, did you look at the picture of him on the article? Uh, I mean, no, I haven't gotten past his uh, scruff profile picture yet. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, and he's also, I mean, you know, of course, apart from just being anti, you know, sexting, anti everything, um, you know, he 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 has stated very clearly he wants to see. Um, pornography abolished he wants to he wants to um get rid of no fault divorce he he wants to get rid of that he wants abortion abolished he also um finds it outrageous that drag queens are permitted to dance and twerk at pride parades and story hours um and just by and large he's just pretty pissed off that the world has left him in the dust yeah you know um I think somebody, because uh, his uh, campaign signs that are behind him in this photograph that we've seen uh, for Dusty Devers for state Senate, uh, they're in red and white. And I think that we should paint the side of a barn with his um, campaign sign, basically, and do it with him going through a wood chipper. I mean, <laughs> I'm sick and tired of these people. You know, they're coming for us. It is time for us to come after them. And, of course, I'm not talking about literally doing something that is going to hurt somebody physically. But it is time for us to put a, ca a cap on this behavior. And I don't know where they feel like they've been empowered uh, by the good book. But, you know, I grew up going to church. And... I never heard any of this shit. Now, it might have been because two of the three priests in my parish uh, in suburban Seattle, Washington, happened to be gay. But 
<laughs> I'm fortunate that I never had to hear any of that fucking nonsense. Well, it's, I mean, it, it, it's really a, a part and parcel of the, ex, the continuing extremity of, of deep evangelical, you know, religion in this country. Yeah. I mean, the, and you know, we're talking about the kind of modern evangelical movement, you know, that really, had, you know, took root, you know, starting in you the know, kooks the who used the 1611 James, uh, King James Bible, you know, who buy into all that, you know, shit in Leviticus. I don't well, know. Which is fun. Which is funny because they are they are obsessed with the King James, right? Yeah. Who was famously a big mo, right? <laughs> like literally the Bible that they think is like, was literally, you know, f- sent by a fax machine from God in a cloud down to right. King James. Yeah. King James was a homosexual. It was like, that's not even like a dispute. And yet they're living in this like fantasy world where, you know, God faxed this, you know, Bible down to this homosexual <laughs> and that became the letter of the law. It's right. ridiculous. Yeah. And and while he was gay, he might have been a little wacky too. Of course, I mean he yeah. was not, but um, you know, <laughs> but it's just it's just silly. Um, you know, I mean we can get into like the theological silliness of all of that, but just apart from that, um, just the modern movement, the kind of modern moral majority movement that really there's a, a slim read and barely a tether to their moral thinkings and what the Bible actually says. They're just kind of freeballing. You know, they're just going crazy. If and you, uh, if that's you thought, what Dusty Devers did. Yeah, if you thought that we had a lot of fun this hour, well, you got to stay tuned for hour number two of the GBC Happy Hour this week because we have some really good stuff to talk about, like the fact that gay and bisexual men who have sex with men, well... Their syphilis rates are soaring in the United States. We'll have that good news, and we'll talk about prep and pep as we continue with more of the happy hour. With Richie Roy, I'm Johnny Mack. Twenty twenty four is the year of the dragon. Of course it is. But on the Gay BC Happy Hour, it's really the year of the drag queen. Speaking of which, here's Richie Roy and Johnny Mac. Ladies. Hello, hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> welcome back to Welcome back to the Happy Hour Did for the second call hour. Us a lady? I can't believe it. Oh my it. god. Come on. Come on, announcer. I, I don't even like drag queens. <laughs> Oh, my God. I know. That's going to get me in so much trouble with so many of our friends on Twitter spaces. Oh, did I call it Twitter? I'm sorry. It's Twitter. Yeah. That's right. It is still Twitter. That's yep. right. In, in our world, it's still Twitter. Yep. It's not X. Yep. And, um, and we're not crybabies who run to the courts uh, because we didn't get a $56 million bonus. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but... Uh, yeah, was it? Yeah. Anyway, um, and uh, and unlike here, um, Elon Elon can't throttle our uh, our audience here on uh, the ABC Happy Hour. No, you learned tonight that that 
by sending exactly doing a little test and sending exactly the same content basically out but one of the tweets had less information about where people could actually hear our program tonight mm-hmm. uh, that that was throttled back in terms of ex- it's in terms of the exposure of it to the yep. audience yeah no it's twitter the twitter algorithm is is not anyone's friend let's no. put it that way i think i'm going to put something on the gaybc.com website that says something very flattering about twitter oh i bet you will yeah <laughs> um or flattening. so uh, we do have a good second hour for you, um, and we will start with uh, a story that is not the greatest story. I mean, there's some it's a, there's some ups and downs, but um, syphilis rates are up. They are heading. They are not going in the right direction at all. No. Um, and uh, it you know it is it's not an it's not entirely gay male related, but it's a big chunk of it. Yeah. Um, I, I was, think it's something like 50%. I thought it was interesting, the first sentence that the Associated Press used in their story that was published by NBC. Because um, it said the U.S. syphilis epidemic isn't abating. And I thought, well, if we had more baiting, there would be a lot less syphilis. <laughs> it's true. Come on, it's boys. True. Let's wrap it up if you cannot make sure that you are healthy before you stick your you know what in the you know where yeah so syphilis rates are up the 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 good the the silver lining is that other std rates are or flat um and you know we thought about why you know for you know why you're to bring up this this subject and you know one of the things is because there's a there's a there are a couple things there's prep and pep and then there's a newer th- newer kid on the block, which is Doxypep, which has really kind of um, taken the sex world by storm and is getting uh, increasingly uh, uh, approved. I think the CDC maybe has even approved of Doxypep as, um, as an option. So um, basically, you know, for those who, who aren't aware, PrEP is... Uh, pre-exposure prophylaxis for HIV/AIDS, and that's Truvada and was it Discovy? I think is the other one. Mm, um, not sure. And those those are pills that you take. Well, actually, this is even goes this even you can slice this even further. When they first came out, when Truvada first came out, the idea was you get on Truvada. Um, you take it every day, just like you would take any maintenance drug, and it has a nearly like perfect record of preventing HIV transmission. Um, so that was kind of the first wave was, and that's huge, and that was a, a, a total sea change for, um, especially for gay sex, because you know up until then, um, you know there wasn't really, you know, there wasn't anything like that, and so condoms were kind of the coin of the realm. Um, but Truvada really changed the game um, and really sort of changed a lot of sexual practices for the better in some ways because um, HIV transmission, if you're on PrEP and with someone who's either also on PrEP or who's, um, you know, uh, positive but um, undetectable, um, HIV is kind of off your radar. But 
other STDs still exist. Of course. They very much do. And so I think what we're seeing is we're seeing condom usage going down because of the adoption of PrEP, which good for that, good for good for PrEP that we have it. But we're seeing an increase in other STDs because people are having sex without condoms. Yep. But um, doxypap is so, and this is so. And by anyway, the way, so can to, I just throw yeah. in one other thing about prep? About sure. in particular, uh, you know, about uh, the medication that is first, you know, came on the the market, the Truvada. Um, yeah. You know, it takes time to get a lot of data on this medicine and, and how people react to it. Um, and while it is a godsend in many respects of being able to prevent people from uh, contracting HIV, it it has its own problems too. Um, one of those problems that has been significant in the people who've used it has been uh, issues with relation to their bone structure. And... Uh, and there's been a lot of people who have had uh, bone density issues uh, from taking it, and so it's not it's not without its downfalls too. I mean, certainly it saves lives, but at the same time, it may also cause uh, you know lifelong problems from the time that you know it's used. So if you have uh, you know an uh, osteo issue you may be in trouble with it. So you're not out of the woods, right. but going on to PEP. Yeah. Well, so, so there's PrEP. So originally there was, and to your point though, actually, is that originally there, the idea was you took Truvada like a maintenance drug. Right. You took it every day, constantly. Um, but you mentioned there are, there are issues. It can be, it can be hard on your liver and hard on your kidneys and hard on your bones. So there's now there's a different regime, which also is basically kind of a prep that you take. You don't take it every day. You take it um, like 24 hours before you're going to have sex. And then you take it for like three days afterward. And that is it is a regime that is that is, you know, sanctioned by the CDC, sanctioned by medical professionals. And so you're not kind of on it as a maintenance drug if your sexual practices aren't as, you know, aren't that uh, robust, I guess you could say. Um, and so that kind of is another option. And then layer on top of PrEP, there's now DoxyPEP. And so what that is, is essentially um, you get a prescription for doxycycline, which is an antibiotic that that's, you know, effective against a lot of the other STDs. And if you're sexually active, um, you're, you know, you're taking your prep, you take it either as a maintenance drug or you take it, you know, before and after sexual activity. And then you take doxy preemptively to prevent any STDs from happening. And so, uh, it's an interesting, it's an interesting new world. Um, you know, the, the, it is a regime that is getting more acceptance and getting sort of, and, and the results seem to be pretty good. Um, so it's just it's an interesting thing um, to think about, and I think part of it is um, is also training doctors to understand both about prep and pep, because I think there are people who still have doctors that are not sex positive and are not LGBTQ friendly who are hesitant to even give out prep, let alone doxy pep. 
I know I'm going to be very unpopular in what I have to say about this. Um, okay. And while I think it's it's truly uh, great that it has helped a lot of people, um, I am very concerned because we are in a society now that people seem to uh, feel like they can take these magic drugs and not have any further issue. And, you know, the thing about antibiotics is that you will eventually build a resistance to them. And if you overuse them, uh, as I think is the case potentially with Doxypep, and I know that the CDC, or I mean the, uh, yeah, the CDC has, uh, or the FDA, I'm sorry, has given its blessing to this now. Um, I can tell you that the research that is often done for the FDA is not always done by people with purest of intentions and that things get approved that shouldn't be all the time or, you know, that they grant these extended use uh, uh, permissions for certain things. And I'm not saying that it shouldn't be there. I, I, I am thrilled that it helps because I have a lot of friends who do uh, use the Doxypep treatment. But I am concerned that what happens when we end up with super viruses that you can no longer get to be treated because you have overused certain antibiotics. I have a friend who is in his late 70s and who is still sexually active and who has ended up in a place where he is at the end of his road with the ability to use certain drugs to deal with infections. And he's down to where the next time that they have to knock something out, they're going to have to use a drug that will absolutely positively make him blind. So he has mm -hmm. a choice. He can die or he could lose his sight if they have to treat him again because they have no effectiveness any longer with any other drugs. And I'm not saying that to scare anybody, but to use caution and to, and, you know, I think it's, I'm not saying you have to wrap it up again all the time, but I think you should know what's going on and that you should have, and especially for our friends, and we have many of them who are in the adult content creation trade and who also some of them also escort and such uh, that I think it's really important that you have to make sure that you're staying constantly on top of your your own health and knowing what your statuses are and dealing with those things as stuff comes up and also knowing what your partners that you engage in with that kind of you know, behavior, um, you know, what they're doing and, and feel comfortable uh, or feel a lot more comfortable, I think, than most people uh, honestly do when they're hooking up with, with people that they've known for a very short period of time. And I know that that's a very not sex positive sounding thing for me to come from that standpoint. And I don't want to piss people off, but I also... I, you know, I declared at the beginning of this year, uh, I sent out this note to a lot of people on um, social media that I have declared that 2024 is the year that none of my friends or family are allowed to die. 
I'm sick and tired of losing people that I love and care about, and especially ones who are under the age of 60. It's been way too many, and some of them have put themselves at risk with viruses that could have been prevented. Yeah, I mean, I I hear that. I think what it is is, um, and I think that it's a tricky it's a tricky line between being sex positive, being mindful of reality, and keeping up with the current science, and also just risk mitigation. Because the thing is, you know, you know, and this I I run into this a lot of times with the dermatolo- with dermatology, because. If you ask a dermatologist, you should never go to the beach ever in your whole life hmm. because you're basically you're you're flirting with skin cancer. They're basically right. they're like, don't go to the beach. Don't go in the sun. Like put on long sleeve clothes. Don't, you know, put on a big br- floppy hat, wear a bunch of sunscreen and never go out in the sun. Just put on sunscreen and sit in a darkened room. Right. But that's not reality. Well, you know, you actually want to go out and live life. Springs. And so if you're going to go out and live life you know, in the dermatology world, yes, you use sunscreen, maybe don't go out in the sun quite as much as you might want to. But it's it's really it's about about risk mitigation. And I, I take your point. You know, I think that um you know a very low risk situation is to use condoms. And if you're someone who actually like it depends because you know, I think one of the things back in the day before we had Truvada, that no, I think what everyone, what the the party line was, condoms are no different than having sex without condoms. Everyone knows that's not true. That's just phys, That's just not true. Right. But they can be okay. It's not hundred percent okay. either. What? It's not a hundred percent, but it's at least a lot more percent than without. Right. And so, you know, I, I think it is interesting. Um, condoms have basically in the gay world have gone out of the they're they're out the window. They, they just don't happen anymore. And I think that that they might actually be it might be time for them to become become retro, kind of like let's go back to condoms. Let's let's see how that is. Um, you know, maybe you know maybe invest in some better lube or something. But you know, condoms are a great um, you know they actually are really effective. And um, they don't require, you know, like you said, the thing is with PrEP and I'm sure DoxyPep too, you have to get quarterly blood tests right. because they are hard, hard on your system. DoxyPep, I mean, it, I'm really into my gut biome. You know, I like my kombucha and my yogurt and my kefir and stuff. Right. Doxy, um, you know, nukes your gut biome, which has other bad effects on your system. So, yeah, you know, if, if, if you are very actively having sex with a lot of anonymous partners or sort of one night stands that might work for you. But, um, if you're kind of not at that level, you might think about other options that maybe are kind of better, not only for your body, but also just better societally. So it is a good, it is, it is worth thinking about. It's a good question. Yeah. Well, uh, who doesn't love a good turbo slut? But, you know, we don't want you to expire before your expiration date. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so uh, I think, you know, the 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 uh, the goal is for all of us to be as uh, living sex, sex positive, happy, healthy lives as long as we possibly can. So right. that's the plan. And if I hurt your feelings in this segment, 
please know that I did not mean to, and we can talk about hooking up later. Uh, <laughs> you know, Texas uh, has not been in our sights yet uh, tonight, but don't worry. The Lone Star State has a special place coming up in our next segment. So I hope you'll stay with Richie Roy and myself, Johnny Mac, right here on the GBC Happy Hour, and feel free to call in and participate. 760-677-0111. It's not always laughter and games on the GBC Happy Hour with Richie Roy and Johnny Mack. But when it is, you'll know when it's time to cut them off. Now, back to the beer pong. Uh, I mean show. Boys. Welcome back. (laughs) Glad to have you here. uh, And hope you're enjoying the show so far. And um, yes, we are turning from some of the other terrible states to a different terrible state. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and this is the Lone Star State, where um, where everyone's least favorite uh, attorney general, uh, Ken Paxton, who looks like if you put a, a, a potato in a microwave for an hour, um, <laughs> you know, th- he has been uh, requesting medical records from uh, from clinics that provide gender affirming care. Um, and seeking all kinds of very invasive information, um, you know, about, uh, you know, medical records and uh, treatment for, for uh, of, of children for gender dysphoria, gender reassignment surgeries, diagnosis for medication, uh, labs in Texas that perform tests before prescribing medications, basically going after trans kids. Who yeah, are but, in Texas because um, specifically there was the, a Georgia clinic that did telehealth providing gender affirming care. And this uh, Paxton asswipe um, has been just going on a crusade trying to just f- try to get records to, I think, you know, build a case as to, you know, why this is evil. And I think also just to send a chilling effect to basically try to threaten and scare people in Texas and and clinics outside of Texas from being trans positive. And let's not forget, this is also the guy who not that long ago was basically uh, facing charges uh, and allegations that were made even by members of his own party. Uh, and he was not convicted, but he he was not really exonerated either. So, I mean, this guy is a total douchebag. But the yeah. idea that he's going after people uh, in another state or trying to get records from another state, you know, I mean, why doesn't he deal with the real problem that they have in Texas, like, uh, you know, mass shootings? Oh, mass sh- mass shootings? That's not nearly as fun as, as as harassing trans children. No, why would we do that? I I don't know. I mean, you know, Uvalde and El Paso and God knows how many others there were down there. I mean, I think they're a weekly weekly occurrence in Texas. Uh, 
as well. You know, we just don't hear about all of all of the uh, other sick and twisted stories all the time that come out of that place. And, you know, we have a lot of listeners who uh, join us from the Lone Star State, and it really could be a great place again. Uh, I sure miss the days when Ann Richards ran that state. Uh, oh, yeah. She, oh, was, she's she was a She was brand. amazing. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I have faith that we can get back to a place like that again. Um, you know, I'd, I'd like to see uh, Ted Cruz uh, removed from his United States Senate office um, and a number of other people, uh, including I'd like to see them actually push the guy in the wheelchair down a hill <laughs> to fetch a pail of right. water. Abbott? Yeah. Yeah. The governor. Um so it, it well, the thing about this story that, that I do like, well, actually, so there's a couple things about the story. Because actually, my sister had sent me a news story um, that uh, about so the 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 Decatur, Georgia uh, clinic that that did gender affirming telehealth is based in you know in Decatur. Uh, they received the letter. It's called Queer Med. Received the letter from from Paxton late. And the reason is because that clinic burned down. And just this week, it was determined that they discovered, you know, they, they did an investigation that that was an intentionally set fire. So Did Paxton from, light it himself? Who knows who said it? But yeah, but yeah so Queer Med uh, was burned down uh, intentionally. And then now is being, you know, is they are be in the crosshairs of Ken Paxton see, seeking, you know, all this invasive information. Thankfully, and, you know, for, good for them, they are just saying, well, fuck right off, friend. Um, we're not going to send you, you know, HIPAA pr- protected information under any circumstances. So they're saying no, they're pushing back on it. Um but, you know, God knows how many other subpoenas or requests for information that he's sending out across the country. Yeah. Um, well, and he also, clinics. I mean, he asked for he asked for records that predated the, the change in the law in Texas. And, in fact, since the law had changed again, um, even though Queer Med was not going to ever, never, ever, turn over HIPAA-protected patient information, um, the clinic itself had stopped providing services to minors in Texas after Texas did put that state ban in place for gender-affirming care in September. So, I mean, he just needs, he needs to find somebody else to bully. I mean... Bullying is not going to bring back his like his fucking hideous face. By the way, I mean he's just he's just an ugly man. And the thing is, like, I, I and I I hate to be this way, but just looking at the picture, it's a Washington Post article about this that I'm looking at, and just you can see the hatred is just is just written on his face. Yeah. He's just an ugly, bitter, Troll. terrible man. Yeah. And it, it's just when I look at this picture, I just like I get viscerally angry because this is this is also just the kind of visage of this last gasp you know throes of homophobia 
xenophobia, kind of just this revanchist policies just embodied. So good riddance and glad that Queer Med is saying, fuck you guys. Absolutely. Fuck you guys. And if you'd like to hear about something we'd like to tell you, you shouldn't tell to fuck off, but instead acquire, maybe, uh, the seal of approval segment is coming up next with Richie Roy. I'm Johnny Mack, and this is the GBC Happy Hour. The GBC Radio Network presents the weekly public service, the GBC Happy Hour Seal of Approval. Does it fly or does it die? Products, services, and customer service that will turn you on or turn you off. Does the cup runneth over or has the well gone dry? Richie and Johnny, take it away. Welcome back. And uh, yeah, we are going to do our segment on recommendations and demerits. Before that, I, I do. I saw a story the other day that um, I have not seen a, getting a lot of traction, but it's actually pretty remarkable, which is it turns out um, and I, I, I don't know where the source was, but um, there are sort of numerous reports that the that the the previous White House um, was basically running a pill mill um, for a lot of psychoactive drugs. Um, and, you know... Was that uh, to try and keep some sort of balance in the uh, occupant? I mean, I think they were handing out, like, Xanax and stuff like candy, basically. Oh, Jesus. Um, you know, in the White House, at, you know, and, and sort of in the upper echelons of that administration. Um which just has vibes of, I mean, basically kind of reminds me of, you know, of another leader uh, this time you know, across the pond in World War II, um, you know, having doctors basically dispensing, you know, uppers and downers like crazy. Right. And it's not, and the thing is, it's not getting a ton of traction. I've seen a couple news stories, but it's not really taking off. Um, and I just wonder why, because that, to me, that's actually really um, kind of a bombshell. Um, you know, it just sort of, it kind really of? kind of puts on just another layer of kind of grossness to that whole affair. Yeah. Um, but we'll keep an eye on that one. Maybe maybe next week we'll, or, you know, next time we do the show, we will um, uh, see if we can bring that in as a subject. Could be interesting. Right. Um, By the way, since you mentioned that, I just want to let folks know that our program uh, next week, um, is it next week or the week after? that we're going to be next week it's next week um that program uh if we manage to get it off is going to be a pre-recorded program because of some travel issues so um uh anytime that we have a show um even if it's pre-recorded we will play it live on our live channel first before it's posted as a as a uh, uh, podcast an on-demand product um but I just want to let folks know that this might, uh, this should be our last live live show for two weeks. But we will be back the week following in live mode. Not that you're calling yes. us anyway. The Maytag guy is still sitting over by the phone, going, "What the f am I doing here?" 
I know, I know. Hello, seven six zero six seven seven zero one one one. Um, call in with your own recommendations and demerits. Um, but anyway, so recommendations. <clears throat> I've probably recommended this before, but I maybe I haven't because. Um, but I will anyway. So uh, I I bought a number of years ago. I bought a machine uh, for the kitchen, and um, I loved this machine. Um, it was a pellet ice maker. It makes nugget. You can call it pellet ice, nugget ice, sonic ice, hospital ice, airplane ice. It has a lot of different names. So basically, these little little nuggets of aerated ice that are really fun to chew and really good in cocktails. And I had that machine for maybe about six years. It it died. Um, I think because I did not properly run the cleaning cycle often enough. So it's on me. I had it sort of sitting there for a number of months uh, to try to fix it. I looked up an, a YouTube video on how to fix, you know, on how to get in there. And um, wow, Do it yourself. it's a whole, it's way beyond me. Yeah. So I, I did, you know, I thanked it for its service. It, I sent it on its way and I just got a new one this week, a new GE Opal 2.0. And the new one actually is much slicker than even the old one um so I'm, I'm actually pretty happy with it but can i ask you what the price tag was it is i think it's around at this it used to be more expensive actually it's gone down i think it's around 550 bucks oh okay um and it's a it's a countertop ice maker and it makes just limitless amounts of beautiful nugget ice and uh it it just I can't tell you how happy I am to just have a constant supply of perfect cocktail ice at any moment of the day or night. <laughs> um, so if you like ice, um, I mean, you know, the two things I can't live without are ice and seltzer. And so between the Soda Stream and the Opal, I'm pretty much set. I, everything else is just kind of optional. So do you put ice in your seltzer? I, I will pour seltzer over ice. Yes, for sure. Okay. Just checking. Yes. Oh, oh, I mean that is that's that is the combo. That's the move. Yeah. Is is hot is 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 pellet ice filling a large glass and then just pouring a bunch of aggressively carbonated seltzer over the top. Perfect. It's great. Okay. Great. <laughs> I, I, honestly, I love my soda stream. I know. I'm a big fan. I, I mean, it, it, I do, I do also partake in the, in the bubbly and the spin drift and the other canned ones. But, um, the soda stream has my heart because I love aggressively bubbly water. Like I like water. I like water that punches my throat, yeah. like, like really aggressive bubbles. Well, soda and stream the, is partnered to the whole, uh, bubbly brand from Pepsi. Right. Because of the syrups. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I like a, an aggressive bubble. I like an aggressive, like Gerolsteiner, which is a German, uh, seltzer or fizzy water. Yeah. Those bubbles, I mean, they are powerfully angry bubbles. I love that. Um, <laughs> I've never you know, asked so, my bubbles how angry they are, but I'm going to, I'm going to do that now. Yes. Yes. I mean, because like, you know, like Perrier is kind of like 
fizzy. Pellegrino is kind of like a whisper of carbonation. But I like the Gerolsteiner. I like a or even just a classic seltzer. I used to actually back in the day um, in when I lived in Queens, there was a period where I actually had a seltzer delivery man. His name is Walt, uh, Walter Backerman. And he would deliver once a week in a wooden crate, uh, eight glass seltzer bottles. Wow. Like the, with, you know, with the, you know, like the ones that the three stooges use. Um, and, uh, he would deliver the glass seltzer bottles to the apartment. And I can't imagine he must've, his back must've been so strong because those bottles and the crate were so heavy. But, um, though that seltzer from those seltzer bottles, the glass bottles with the metal top, mm -hmm. that is the most perfect, aggressive, angry bubble you can imagine. Um, and a soda stream though gets pretty close, I have to say. So yeah, I do like a soda stream. I would highly recommend that people get them. Um, you know, I'm, I have uh, bottled water that comes in uh, every, well, it used to come in every week. Now I just go and get it myself as I run out, you know, in the big five-gallon uh, drum bottles. Mm -hmm. and But it goes through a dispenser. So I always have very cold uh, or immediate access to very hot uh, flat water. But what I do is I will fill the bottles, um, the soda stream bottles up with that water and then go in and throw that into the soda stream and get my fizzy water. Because like you, I prefer uh, seltzer water to anything. And that's primarily what I drink all the time. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, like, just like casual demerit of the week, flat water. No, thanks. <laughs> we, we've had <laughs> this conversation, fan. too. But, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did not actually uh, come up with something uh, myself for today's uh, merit or, uh, you know, demerits and uh, things that we love. And I apologize for that. But one of the things I'm interested in um, is seeing what other people this year, what their top products are. And I was looking at categories online earlier today of things that are America's favorite products. And, mm -hmm. and the categories that came up actually kind of surprised me. Like fashion is one of the number one products. And I guess I don't think about that because I might buy clothes a couple of times a year, but I rarely, because of where I live, buy what I would consider to be, you know, really nice or flashy clothes, you know, or something I would wear to a uh, formal or semi-formal event because I go do that so infrequently. Um, and, you know, I bought a suit again, uh, what, a year ago, year and a half ago, something like that. And it was the first time I'd, I've, I realized it was the first time I bought a suit in like, I don't know, 15 or 20 years. And, you know, it was time for me to, you know, look like something other than uh, an amalgamation of mothballs. But <laughs> the, uh, uh, you know, going after, I, I, I don't know what is like the hip thing to wear. And I don't even want to be in the hip thing. I just want to know people who have bought uh, clothing that 
they really love and that they're passionate about um, uh, because of the quality and the comfort. And comfort is the thing that, that concerns me the most. It's not, you know, am I going to turn heads on the red carpet? Because, right. you know, I don't like red carpets. <laughs> So, yeah, anyway, I was I was looking around at these different categories of things that are, you know, the top sellers. And it says that the average uh, American citizen is spending like $1,700 a year on, on their clothes. And mm-hmm. I, I'm like, wow. Um, I know you did because you just changed jobs. And you're in a, a job that really requires you to, you know, to dress up in business attire uh, a good deal of the time. Um, and so I could see that being a very easy way to get to 1700 or well beyond that. But um, in terms of everyday clothing purchases, like it used to drive me nuts when my brother would like want to buy jeans from Diesel because he, you know, that's what he'd ask for for Christmas or something like that. And and uh, and I'd go in and they're like in a hundred and a quarter. And I'm like for mm-hmm. a pair of jeans, I'm, I'm getting him some 501s, you know, <laughs> Um screw that or, or or getting him uh you know uh some wranglers so you know maybe gets a sexy cowboy ass or something not that i'm ever uh perving on my brother please oh that's <laughs> not ever happening um but you know the point is um just you know something to make somebody look attractive but i do not i'm not a label whore so i don't know i i wonder what would happen what would happen if i went with like the guys from queer eye for the kind of gay straight guy um, to go clothes shopping because they'd look at me and they go, are you sure you're a homo? Well, you know, it's, it's about, I mean, there are a lot, it's about, it's an, this is a really interesting topic to me because I actually, I think fashion is interesting. I like paying attention to fashion. I'm not a, I'm not a big clothes, but I do like, I do pay attention to to it as an as a thing and as an art form and i do i do have this like very signal memory for me which is um when i was an undergrad like i would save up my pennies um you know every year i'd you know i would work over the summers and then i'd use the money for my you know for my summer jobs to basically pay for you know discretionary stuff over the year and um, I saved and saved and saved and saved. And then I went to, there's this fancy store called Louis Boston in in Boston. And I went there and, you know, I was looking at different things. And this, this I ended up buying from this, the, the salesman, you know, I kind of talked with him and stuff. Ended up buying a long sleeve white t-shirt by Helmut Lang. And I think at the time, I think it was $150, which was a huge amount of money for me. And a huge amount of money for a long sleeve white t-shirt you know, just to be, to be fair. Yeah. And the, that shirt, the fabric felt amazing. The cut was perfect. I got more compliments wearing that simple white long sleeve t-shirt than any other piece of clothing that I would, would wear. I mean, I would get stopped on the street by random people who are like, I love your shirt. And it's just, it's an, it's an, you can buy a Hanes long sleeve white t-shirt no one's going to stop you on the street for wearing that, but there are there are just things about material, about cut, about artistry that that, that do actually affect things. Um, 
And yeah, I mean, you can, and you know, when you're looking at fashion, there's also different sort of vibes. I mean, Helmut Lang is obviously kind of more fashion-y, but um, there's also quality too. I mean, if you look at sort of heritage brands like Carhartt, Filson, you know, Patagonia, L.L. Bean, um, you know, there, there are there are reasons to spend money on clothes apart from fashion. Um, and you can end up with stuff that's wonderful and you don't need a ton of it. And I don't know if I will, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll, we'll, I'll convert you yet. Stay with us because next, Richie is going to be in his bartender best as we get into the Mixology <laughs> 101 segment on the GBC Happy Hour. You're still welcome to call. Wake that Maytag guy up. 760-677-0111. I'm afraid we're so old that people won't know what we're talking about. I know. This is the GBC Happy Hour. Homo mixologist Richie Roy and his ice cube handler Johnny Mac present the latest lessons from the GBC Happy Hour School of Mixology. As they say at GBC, bottoms up. Hello, hello. Uh, welcome to the happy hour. We're having our final segment here, which is the mixology corner. It's libation time. It is. And uh, this week, I I went crazy. The, I went wild on this one. Um, and the reason why is is I was I was like sort of in the kitchen, and um, I've been really obsessed with tahini for like the past couple months i'm obsessed there's this um local place that sells um uh, this amazing lebanese tahini and it just tastes incredible it has a great texture it's sort of you know sort of thinner than kind of some some tahinis can be very stodgy and heavy this is a very light beautiful tahini and i will just open up the the canister and just take a spoonful and just eat it um and for those who don't know, tahini is um, like a Middle Eastern ingredient that is made of, of basically, it's sesame seed paste. So I've been crazy for tahini recently. I'll eat it on toast. I'll put it on eggs. I will have it in salad dressings. I just use tahini for everything recently, and I just love it so much. And so I thought to myself, I wonder if there's a drink that has tahini in it. <laughs> so I Googled tahini cocktail, and indeed... Someone has come up with a tahini cocktail. So hmm. the, they've called it the Tahini 66. And that's the drink I'm going to go for this week. Um, so what you do for it is you make a ta- tahini orjat. And so orjat is is usually like kind of like a flavored simple syrup. A lot of times it's almond flavored. But here you make an orjat, which is with Tahini water, simple uh, sugar syrup, orange blossom water, brandy, and then you mix them all together, and then you stir the, you put them through a cheesecloth and a strainer, and you end up with this basically kind of sugary tahini, orange blossomy brandyish liquid. And the brandy, I will I will say I will shout out my friend Clyde specifically mentioned that I should put the brandy in there. So thank you, Clyde, for that little uh, filigree on it. So you make this tahini orjat, and then for the drink itself, you do, um, you know, one and a half uh, parts bourbon, one part dry vermouth, 
one and a half parts tahini orgeat. You do an egg white and a dash of uh, Angostura or preferably cardamom bitters because cardamom bitters are amazing. And you shake them up and you end up with kind of a nice frothy tahini, you know, tahini flavored bourbon drink. I mean, doesn't that sound amazing? I'm really psyched about this drink. Interesting. I'm looking at a picture of one right now. It actually looks it, like it came it looks from good, Starbucks. Right? <laughs> yeah, it looks it looks almost like a coffee drink. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I'm I'm really excited about this drink because I do. I mean, I'm obsessed with tahini, and I love bourbon. And so, um, the idea of being able to do a kind of kind of almost like a classic. You know, and also the egg white cocktails, um, you know, like a daiquiri or something like that's very old school. So it's like this old school drink, um, but that has a, uh, a a tahini twist. I'm pretty psyched about it. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Anything for our uh, uh, alcohol free friends? So I think. I think my thought for that is actually, um, you know, and I often do this is, is I would be interested to see what it would be like to do the tahini orgeat, which is again, tahini water, simple syrup, orange blossom water, take out the vodka, um, or I mean the brandy and just you make that orgeat and then have that in, uh, with sparkling water. I think that could be interesting itself as well. Um, you know, because orgeat is, you know, traditionally has like kind of is almost sort of like an almond extract flavor to it and makes an amazing, um, Italian soda. Um, I don't know if you remember Italian sodas. I, that used to be my, my jam when I was in high school and junior high and I w- was very fancy. I would go to the local coffee shop and I would get an Italian soda which is basically a syrup and a syrup in seltzer. And if you wanted to be super fancy, you would get a French soda, which was syrup, seltzer, and milk. Um, and orgeat is a delicious flavor. And basically, it's like having an almond soda. And so this would be a tahini orgeat soda, which I think could actually be really tasty. Hmm. Well, I'll have to try one. Yeah, please do, and let me know what you think. And 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 I, and you know, you it only uses four tablespoons of tahini. So, like me, you will probably also then find yourself using tahini for everything else because, um, <laughs> I I mean, literally, I, I I mean, I'm not joking. I learned this thing from a local place, uh, the place where I actually buy my tahini, the Big Cheese in Rosendale. They have what's called the Israeli breakfast, and that is scrambled eggs with tahini sauce drizzled on them and then and then a salad um and the eggs with tahini and a little bit of hot sauce oh my god that flavor combo is just dynamite Hmm. yeah i definitely recommend that much more of a cocktailer than i am and you have such creative uh expertise in this area so um i have a feeling that there may not be a lot of sobriety in my next visit to the Hudson Valley. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but that said, you know, we've talked about it before. There are so many really um, amazing now non-alcoholic spirits like um, like liars 
is a is a brand that makes they make a really good um, non-alcoholic sort of whiskey. They make a really good non-alcoholic gin. Wait a minute. And, wait, 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 wait a minute. Hmm. If you're gonna take the alcohol out of those, what what's the use in having them? They taste amazing. Hmm. It's the flavor. I mean, because the thing is, at the end of the day, like, yes, I do like the sort of salubrious no, I'm, I'm expecting on of my booze. next. I'm expecting on my next visit, therefore, the drinks to be fortified. Sorry. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, I mean, that's certainly doable. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, th- there are great non-alcoholic spirits now, and they taste really good, and you can make great cocktails with them. Um, I will... There is one, there's a, a fake bourbon called Spiritless that I personally thought tasted so terrible. I, I couldn't, I could not even <laughs> handle it. It was yeah. so gross. Uh, I feel bad for, I still get emails from them and I, I need to unsubscribe. But there are, Liars makes great ones. What was it called? Pentire. Like Jack Off instead of Jack Daniels? or <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. That's crazy. Um, I wanted to take a minute before we get out of here uh, tonight to have you tell us, we talked about it right up front at the beginning of the show uh, this evening, to talk a little bit about the plans you have for your first visit to the Windy City. Yeah, I'm really excited about this trip because I've never been to the Windy City. I'm going with a good friend of mine, and we are, the, the main... The main reason to go is there is a um, a musical, which is the so there's a, the musician named Sufian Stevens, who um, is sort of a singer songwriter. He has a beautiful voice, a beautiful songwriter, and his songs have very lush, gorgeous orchestrations. And he has an album called Illinois, um, which is I think probably one of his best works. Um, and it's been made into a musical. Uh, and it's going to have choreography by Justin Peck, who is the head choreographer of the New York City Ballet. And I don't really know much about what it's going to be like, except with those people, you know, with, with the music of Sufjan Stevens and the choreography of Justin Peck, it's going to be great. So going to go see that. And then uh, while we're there, we're also going to go to Alinea, which is a restaurant I've wanted to go to for a million years. Um, and it's sort of a sort of haute cuisine, uh, very theatrical type of restaurant. Um, and, you know, sort of like in the vein of like an 11 Madison Park or, you know, I guess like French Laundry, you know, sort of on that tier of restaurant, but is known for uh, sort of its theatricality and kind of whimsy. Mm. So we're going there. And then uh, we have a, some other kind of smaller things planned. It's a very trip uh, quick trip, so not too much time to delve into things. But I, I'll dip my toe because I know I have a, I have a bunch of Twitter friends who live in Chicago who I, I'm dying to meet. So I'm going to go get the lay of the land, and then I'm, I think I'll probably be back in Chicago sooner rather than later. Yeah, we even talked recently about maybe taking this program on the road and doing some road shows uh, from different cities, and and it might be fun to do that and be able to meet some of the people who are listening to us that we don't otherwise get an opportunity to hang out with. So maybe later this year we can do a couple of cities where we do remotes. That would be fun. Yeah, do do a little bit on the road, yeah. yeah. Um, and I don't know if you could hear it, but I, <laughs> no, I, I saw can you tell just that, take your, um, your, your earphones off for a second. What, what, what was going on? I, I just heard um, one of the, that uh, 
so I lock my cats out of the office when I'm doing the show, and um, they're not happy about it. I hear just <laughs> a, a chorus of caterwauling coming from across the door. Well, I'm sure that they're looking forward to Daddy being back uh, in their play yard. So, yes. Uh, we're going to join you again a uh, week from now. Uh, that program will be pre-recorded, and we'll be back live with you in a couple of weeks. But we hope that you have a great beginning of February, and we'll get together again just before Valentine's Day. That'll be fun. Uh, we love you, sort of. Uh, stay with us. and. Make sure you catch up on old episodes. If you haven't heard them, you can do that at gbc.com. For Richie Roy, I'm Johnny Mack, and may your shadow fall in pleasant places. Good night.